This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. Female-driven historical novels are having their moment in popular culture. Though these books have long been darlings of the media and shelf staples for legions of dedicated readers, this summer, William Morrow, proud to publish a sophisticated, sumptuous new entry in buzzworthy fiction. The book is The Godmothers. The author is Camille Aubrey. On the heels of her hardcover debut, Cooking for Picasso, back in 2016, Camille Aubrey... Um, already named a must-read book for this one of the spring and summer by Veranda Magazine and BuzzFeed, The Godmothers poises Camille Aubrey to become a household name of top-tier and timeless historical fiction. It's set primarily against the backdrop of 1940s Greenwich Village. This is a sweeping, intimate portrait of a New York family and their resolute women who safeguard its best interests. Camille Aubrey, as I mentioned, the author of the novel, Cooking for Picasso, which was chosen for People Magazine's Picks, of the best new books and the Indie Next Reading Group's list, Aubrey was an Edward Albee Foundation Fellowship winner and a writer-in-residence at the Caroli Foundation in the south of France. She was also a staff writer for the daytime dramas One Life to Live and Capital. Aubrey studied writing with her mentor, Margaret Atwood, at Humber College in Toronto and was a finalist for the Pushcart Press Editor's Book Award in the Eugene O'Neill National Playwrights Conference. Happy to have Camille Aubrey join me now here. On Speaking of Writers. Camille, welcome to this program. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. So what inspired you to write The Godmothers? Well, I knew that I wanted to write a novel about New York City. Um, having worked there in television, I got to know some of the uh, colorful landmarks, um, for instance, you know, from the Plaza Hotel to um, Balducci's Market to the Copacabana. Uh, because the National Academy of TV Arts and Sciences often held its events there, luncheons and awards. And I got to know people, uh, older writers and directors, who had been um, in the city and remembered that what the COPA was all about. And they said, you know, you could bump into just anybody there. You might meet a politician. You might meet a movie star. You might meet a ball player. And you might meet a gangster. <laughs> so... I started looking into it a little more deeply, and I, I just found the stories fascinating. Um, and I like, when I write about historical fiction, I like to do it from the perspective of, you know, uh, people who are not the big bosses or not the big uh, movers and shakers, but bump into them, so to speak. So let's talk about these characters in The Godmothers. Stylish, sassy, and brave, each unique woman here joined through marriage to an affluent, hardworking Italian family. There's, let's start with Lucy, the tough Irish nurse with an adopted son. What's Lucy like? Well, Lucy uh, left Ireland, and she trained to be a nurse in New York City. Uh, so she is very pragmatic, and she has her own, I would say all of the godmothers have their secrets that they think of as baggage that they'd like to leave behind. Uh, so when they marry into the family, they have high hopes for themselves and for their children. Uh, but in the nature of secrets, these things do resurface. And they not only affect the individual godmother, they affect the whole family. So how they deal with that is the core of the story. So Lucy catches the eye of middle brother Frankie when he rents her an apartment in one of the family's many buildings. Amy, soft-spoken, <laughs> dreamy French girl, falls in love with Johnny. Uh, follow along here. After he helps her escape an abusive first husband, the resourceful, gifted Philomena emigrates from Italy to wed Mario, the youngest son, but her path to America is shrouded in devastating loss. And finally, the family's only daughter, elegant and glamorous Petrina, is an honors graduate of Barnard College, despite a girlhood trauma. Philomena, Philomena-like. Philomena, well, she 
she is very practical, and she has an affinity for numbers, which uh, plays into the story. Um, she also has a horror of debt and doesn't want the family to ever fall into debt. Um, you know, uh, in those days, uh, you know, the credit was not as, as readily available as it is now, and so sometimes you had to go to some rather unsavory characters, and she wants to avoid that at all costs. Um, she, Because of her... Um, special talent, um, she um, soon becomes in charge of um, much of the family's finances. So she sees, you know, what has been behind everything. And Petrina? Petrina, the Barnard graduate, has high hopes for, you know, the larger world. She wants to expand. Um, she studied art, and um, she would like to you know, see more of life besides what she was raised with. But she did have um, a, a scandal from her past that her, you know, that, that her parents perhaps blew out of proportion. And so she has um, her own wounds and things that she needs to deal with. And now she has these sisters-in-law who have married her brothers. So, um, you know, in the way of sisters-in-laws, they're all giving each other the eye, you know, the newcomer who's in the family and, you know, uh, will they accept them? What is their rite of passage? So that uh, goes on. And when their husbands are forced to leave during the Second World War, the women inherit the family business, along with its dark political underbelly as well. What was your primary challenge, Camille, in writing this novel? Well, I, as I said, I didn't want to write about someone who was like married to a big boss, a big crime boss. I wanted to write about people who were actually trying to get out from under the influence of um, these people who might have been making inroads into their businesses. So the family is, is really trying to disengage. At the same time, um, these men hold great sway over uh, the city. So they um, have to deal with um, Albert Anastasia, who was the head of Murder, Inc. Um, they deal with Frank Costello, um, who was more of like the businessman of the group, um, uh, Lucky, uh, Lucky Luciano, who was the one who sort of created the whole commission of the five families, and Tommy Threefinger Lucchesi, who, you know, uh, was more, you know, uh, symptomatic of um, extortion. Um, and also um, uh, Tony Bender-Strola, who was sort of the ultimate capo. So, um, you know, I think that what prompted all of this for me was making the, the, the gangsters realize, be true to who they were, you know, um, and their own personalities, and then having my four women, you know, um, interact with them um, and have all of that, um, you know, come together. If you had to say this book was about one thing, what would that be? Well, I'll tell you, while I was doing this research, I came across something very startling. Um, Mario Puzo, who wrote The Godfather, said that uh, whenever The Godfather opened his mouth, this is, these are his words. I, I heard my mother's voice. I heard her courage. I heard her wisdom, her ruthlessness when necessary, and her ultimate loyalty to the family. And he said that all of the Don's courage um, and wisdom came from her and that without her, um, he could not have written The Godfather. But he noted that these uh, sterling qualities that she had were not actually prized in women at that time. So there was that to contend with. And, you know, if you go back and look at, at this, you know, the dialogue that, that's seen as so macho, actually, when you're listening to it, you, if you think about it now in the terms that he just outlined, I thought, well, this is what I want to do. I want to do the women's perspective because they are often these little shadowy characters in the background, you know, uh, or cliched kind of characters. Um, so I, want, I wanted these real-life women 
to deal with life and deal with these folks um, as a group of women who are trying to make things work. You mentioned your research there. Uh, what was the research like? Well, I, I love doing research, and, you know, so I did a real deep dive into it. You know, the novel basically has the tip of the iceberg of the research. You know, the, the rest of it doesn't show. But um, I, I particularly like, after you read the biographies and the nonfiction, I love going back to the periodicals and the press of the time. I like to look at, um, you know, uh, news reports of some of these um, um, hits and, and uh, incidents. But I, I also like to look at the advertising. I like to look at the music of the time, the movies of the time. So I really like to absorb the whole culture. Camille Labre is my guest here on Speaking of Writers. Her new novel is The Godmothers. I want to talk about your past career. I mentioned in the introduction, Camille, that you were a staff writer for the daytime dramas One Life to Live in Capital. What was that experience like? I think it was very good training um, because you you express who people are through dialogue, largely, um, and you you need to get scripts done on time. They have to go into production on a schedule, so you learn to really um, uh, be be very precise and and clear, and to really develop the story through uh, dialogue. So that was helpful. And your experience studying writing with your mentor Margaret Atwood. <laughs> yes. She, she was lovely, just lovely. Um, and, um, you know, she, she basically said that you have to remember that the only thing that you have is what's on the page. You may have a lot of ideas in your head, but um, in the end, all that the reader can get from you is what you get onto the page. And I thought that was interesting. It actually reminded me of something that the dancer, Mikhail Baryshnikov, said. Um, he said it about the stage. He said that you need to know where the outer limits, the very edges of the stage are, because you cannot go beyond them. But once you master that, then you can soar. You can do all these great leaps and wonderful things. So I think that the page and the stage, you know, are limitations that are good, you know, and you learn them and you work from them. Did you always know that you were a pretty good storyteller? <laughs> well, I always knew that I loved reading and I liked writing. And I, I for some reason, you know, I, I had written a poem when I was eight years old, but in terms of my first little books, I was about 11 years old, and I started to write mystery novels. And for some reason, I got this idea in my head that every little novel that I wrote should be 10 chapters long, and each chapter should be 10 pages long. I don't know where I came up with this. I really don't. But I guess that I was creating those, um, you know, the edge of the stage for myself. Camille, you're organizing a literary dinner party. Which three writers, dead or alive, do you invite? <laughs> Oh, well, let's see. Um, well, I, I definitely would invite Margaret out. Yes. Um, you know, I, and I'll tell you the ones that pop into my mind. I love Colette. I've always liked her because she she can can give you the spiritual and the um, the soul of a character, but she does it very grounded in physicality and, um, and uh, you know, the real world, the, the physical world, the tangible world. Um, and I also like Raymond Chandler. Um, because I know that he's seen in a sort of a cliched way, but I think that he was uh, very uh, earnestly trying to create a character who was incorruptible in, in a corrupt world. So I thought that was quite fascinating. And finally, Camille, you're working on another novel. And if so, can you give us a sneak peek into what it's about? <laughs> well, if this is historical fiction as well. Um, it takes place in Europe um, during a very tumultuous period. But what I like to do is I like to find a little... Uh, nugget of history that has been hiding in plain sight 
something that happened, and it's there in the research, but for some reason has been overlooked. And that's my jumping-off point. I did that with cooking for Picasso. I found an incident in Picasso's life that had been sort of overlooked. And I like these um, incidents when they're mysterious and they're a gap. So the fiction is sort of there to help fill in the gap. Camille Aubrey, the book out now is called The Godmothers. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. It was delightful. And this is Speaking of Writers.